This is episode 246, and today we're chatting about why DNA should be taken into consideration when picking a perfect diet for you. Yes, we're going to be talking about whether or not the ketogenic diet is right for you genetically. This is something that we get into full detail in my program, Happy Keto Body, which you can find out more at happyketobody.com. Really, and this should come as no surprise, I have never once said that every single human being should be on keto. I understand that everyone is so uniquely different. And if you've been struggling on keto, our guest today breaks it all down so that if you were to get DNA testing, you can be very, very clear on which eating style is best for you. And it works through the APOE gene expression. So she'll explain all about this. We're also going to be chatting about how to keep inflammation low to optimize health, DNA testing and how it shows your detoxification pathways, as well as provide an understanding of your individual vitamin antioxidant needs. As a wife of a human that had mercury fillings, my husband, Kevin, struggled with getting mercury out of his body. And when we did the DNA testing, it was very, very clear that he didn't have the best detoxification pathways in place. We really, really had to support his body to detoxify the mercury. Whereas somebody like myself, you know, I would have the mercury and then it would be gone. But it's so, so helpful to do a DNA test if you haven't already done it. I avoided doing it for so long because I thought that if I got it, it would be this diagnosis of all these things that I was going to get or die of and it was going to be really traumatic. But the really cool thing about all this stuff about genes is that you can turn them on and off. So you get to choose how you express them. So if you're going down the wrong path with your body, say, for example, you're on the ketogenic diet and you do a DNA test and it's very clear you shouldn't be based on your genes. That is huge. That is huge. When I tested my DNA, it was very clear that fat is right for me. But my sister tested and it was very clear that fat was not right for her. And I can never understand when she would eat keto, she would feel so slow and lethargic, tired, and her brain would get all mushy. And I was like, what's going on? I feel the exact opposite. So this is huge. Now, I use the 23andMe DNA test kit. Now, I'm not paid to say this. I really enjoyed the experience. There are many out there, but I have experience with 23andMe and really liked how inexpensive it was and how great the results came in and how easy it was to understand. Now, if you do one of these tests, a service like 23andMe isn't going to get into all the nitty gritty. So you really have to pull the raw data and upload it to a site like um, there are many, many. I don't really remember which one. I think I used Rhonda Kirkpatrick's or Rhonda Patrick's. You can just do a quick Google search if you have the raw data and you can upload it there and it'll give you a lot more information. But super powerful stuff. Now, if you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. Also, today's episode was supposed to be with my friend Colin. So if you're like, uh, what happened? Did I miss something? No, you didn't. I didn't get a file in time and schedules get in the way of things. You know, things change. So surprise, we're changing it up. So our guest today is Angela Foster, who's a leading female biohacker, certified health and performance coach, and she uses a combination of modern science such as DNA analysis with time-honored holistic practices to transform her client's health, energy, and performance. After recovering from a serious illness in 2014, Angela left the world of corporate law and the single mission in mind to inspire and educate others to live an energetic, healthful, and limitless life. Now she works with high-performing clients 
clients, including top CEOs, entrepreneurs, executives, and athletes, and optimizing the expression of their respective genetics for ultimate health. As a founder and CEO of My DNA Edge, she provides individuals with tools and biohacks needed to optimize their genetic expression for optimal health and performance. Angela also hosts the High Performance Health Podcast, the show where she talks about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body, and lifestyle. Angela is also authoring a book on how to biohack your mind, body, and lifestyle for the ultimate edge in human performance, which is due to release in 2020. And in today's episode, as I mentioned earlier, Angela, our guest, is going to say that the keto diet isn't great for everyone. And I couldn't agree with her more. I love when guests aren't afraid to share these details for you that you need, like you need this information. And it's so, so important to understand your body and make choices that are best for you. I would not feel okay with lying to you or saying that, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone does keto. You just need to make keto work for you. No, some bodies just don't respond well to keto. And I think it's really, really great that Angela chats about this and had no problem bringing it up. So that's awesome. Also, you can find Angela on her blog website by going to AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can find her on Instagram as Angela's Foster. So that's Angela S. Foster. And also she's included a mini course, an introduction to biohacking your DNA, which I'm going to be including in the show notes. So watch for that. You can access them by going to ketodietpodcast.com and then search for episode 246. Just scroll down until you find episode 246 and your little mini course with an introduction to biohacking your DNA will be right there. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working. Did you know imbalanced hormones are generally at the core of all struggles that women face when it comes to our weight? Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get started with the show. Hi everyone, I am really excited to be here today on the Keto Diet Podcast. My name is Angela Foster and I'm a certified nutritionist and holistic health and performance coach. I specialize in helping individuals like you upgrade their mind, body and spirit to achieve their goals and live an extraordinary life. Leanne has very kindly invited me to come on the show and share with you how you can achieve total health optimization through the lens of genetics and epigenetics. Epigenetics relates to the way our genes are expressed and is arguably just as or even more important than our DNA itself. And the science shows that our genes are not our destiny and that we have way greater control over our health outcomes than we first thought. We are living in exciting times where, as individuals, we can self-quantify and test, track, and tweak to actually take greater control of our genetic outcomes than ever before. And so in today's show, I would like to take you on a journey of how you can use your DNA to find the perfect diet for you, optimize your sleep, and get three times the results in your fitness endeavors and also manage your stress. 
over the years of working with so many clients, the theme that I found most consistent is the struggles that we all seem to have in having more of what I call A days. Those are the days when you just feel full of boundless energy. You have the clarity and focus to crush your goals. You feel calm and collected, and but at the same time on fire with every fiber of your being. These are the days, you know, those days when you just wake up early and everything seems to go right. You do an awesome workout, you cross off every item on your to-do list, and you just feel in flow. Who doesn't want more of those days, right? I know that I do. Well, back in 2014, I set off on a journey to find out how we can make every day an A-day. To give you a bit more background information about me, I actually started out as a corporate lawyer at one of the top global firms in London here in the UK and I was having to work super long hours sometimes all through the night or even a series of nights with little to no sleep and through weekends as well and it was a life where my fellow friends and I from law school worked hard and played hard and initially it was really fun and exciting albeit a bit crazy we were climbing the corporate ladder and you know with the youthfulness of our 20s on our side we kind of felt unstoppable but in reality I was kind of just surviving on coffee and energy bars and things like that and really just getting away with it so ultimately I like to compare our bodies and our brains to a casino because at the end of the day I think you can cheat the system for a little bit but the house will always win. And in my case, that showed up for me after I made partnership and I went on to have three children, three beautiful children in the crazy short space of four years. And my adrenal grounds were were under pressure from years of pushing so hard. And I suffered terribly actually with postnatal depression and burnout. And this ended up in resulting in me being hospitalized with pneumonia and actually almost losing my life. And the crazy thing was that by this point, I had literally depleted myself so much and I was on such a low ebb that I was having regular thoughts about ending my life. And it felt ironic really when one day after a CT scan for suspected lung cancer, I was told by the doctor that I couldn't leave the hospital and I had to be immediately admitted for treatment for double viral and bacterial pneumonia. No chance to say goodbye to my children or pack a bag or anything like that. And it was crazy time. But fortunately for me, I made a full recovery and I feel eternally grateful that I'm here today and I'm alive. And that experience made me value life and health so highly, realizing how fragile it is. And this led to me embarking on a completely new career in health optimization. And over the last five years, I've reached thousands of people to help them optimize their energy and their health and avoid burnout. And I've made it my mission really to make a difference, not just in my own life and my family's, but also to those of others. And and that was really when I left the world of corporate law and completely retrained as a certified nutritionist and holistic health coach. And since then, I've gone on to work with so many people, teaching them how to optimize their energy, how to have a high performing brain, body and spirit, and how to avoid burnout. And through becoming a student of health optimization and working with so many clients, this led me down the path of genetics. And I'm a true believer that our genes are not our destiny, that we have much greater control than we think. And really, our DNA is like the software code that we're running on. So I would use the analogy here of kind of if you think of a laptop with our bodies being the hardware And our DNA is the software program that we're running on. And that programming needs to be constantly refined and upgraded and updates given to it so that it can really perform 
at its best. And like any system, it needs rebooting at times. And so what I'm going to share with you today is how you can discover key parts of your genetics to really get total health optimization. Today's episode continues after this short message from one of my sponsors who make the show possible, plus give you some great deals on my favorite things. Immune system support is the name of the game these days. I just mixed a packet of chaga, I'll explain what this is in a second, and mint tea with almond milk and ice for a delicious immune supporting drink that took me seconds to whip up. Chaga. Okay, what's the deal here? Think of it like your daily bodyguard to keep you well. Chaga is a mushroom that helps to defend your immune system by supporting immune function and has been used for hundreds of years. We know now more than ever how important your immune system is for overall health. Getting enough sleep, reducing stress, and eating healthy all contribute to a strong immune system. Adding mushrooms into the mix gives us another layer of protection. You can go to foursigmatic.com slash keto and get 15% off my favorite Chaga Elixir. Plus, Four Sigmatic is offering 20% off, so you'll be getting 35% off when you order through foursigmatic.com slash keto. Again, that's foursigmatic.com slash keto. Enjoy! So let's start with a very short science lesson. Your DNA is contained in every single cell of your body. And you have two copies of each gene with one from mum and one from dad. And your DNA basically works like a coding system. So it sends out instructions to your cells to make proteins, enzymes, hormones and other chemicals that give you life and make you who you are. And if we use the analogy of the laptop that I was mentioning a moment ago, then if your body's like the hardware and your DNA is the software the kind of program that you're running on, then it's very, very responsive to the input that it receives. And it needs rebooting as well. And, and this input and messaging that it's receiving is coming from your environment, from your lifestyle, from the foods that you eat, the air that you breathe, even you know the hydration, the drinks you take on board, and even your thoughts can all affect the expression of your DNA in real time. And this is the area known as epigenetics, which, as I've mentioned, is perhaps even more important than your genetics itself. And the great thing is you can take charge of that. So you can test your DNA by doing a simple salivary test. You may have already heard about DNA testing or perhaps you've even done a test yourself already. But if not, it's a simple 60-second test that you can do at home, just a saliva swab, and understand unique parts of your biology that can enable you to build in nutritional, fitness, and lifestyle practices to optimize your health, support your mind and body, and upgrade your energy. So the first area that I want to look at today is to show you how knowing key parts of your DNA can help you find the perfect diet for you. And I really believe that there is no one size fits all diet for everyone because those little differences in our DNA can actually make a profound difference. And, you know, we've all seen those people that seem to be able to eat whatever they want and still stay lean and healthy or other people who, you know, maybe only need to look at a cookie and they feel they can just feel that weight coming on. And this does come down in part to differences in our genetics and the way that we process things like fats and carbohydrates. So the perfect diet for you comes down to a combination of your genetics, your gut health, your metabolic demands and your lifestyle. And today we're going to look at specific parts of your DNA 
that have been scientifically proven to affect the way your body processes carbohydrates, fats, vitamins and minerals so that you can structure your diet accordingly and support your body and mind. So as I've already mentioned, our DNA is pretty much in every, well it is in every cell in our body and it's essentially like an instruction manual to produce proteins, to build things like our skin and hair and our muscles and also to produce hormones and enzymes. And everything our body does and is, is coded for by our genes. And we all have slight variations in this code. So one letter might change a certain position and that changes the protein that is produced. So a bit like changing a word in a sentence can change the meaning of the whole sentence. And this could mean that you end up producing more or less of a certain protein or that the protein doesn't work quite so well. So you may metabolize things slightly differently to the next person, whether that's fats, proteins, carbohydrates, or even things like caffeine. And I know that many of you listening either follow or perhaps have experimented with the keto diet. And the keto diet for many people can be a fantastic way to eat, to enhance focus, to boost mental and physical energy, and to improve your physical performance. But there are some people that the keto diet may not be suitable for, at least over the longer term. So if you are somebody who, for example, has been struggling with doing the keto diet and you feel that you're not getting the body composition results you've been after, then I think you're going to find some of the insights that I'm going to share today particularly helpful. Similarly, if you've been using it to enhance your energy and mental performance, but you feel sluggish and slow, this can really help you. So let's firstly look at the way that our bodies process fats and saturated fats. One thing we know is that Genetically, some individuals may be more predisposed to higher levels of cholesterol. And familial hypercholesterolemia is a condition that affects up to 10% of the world's population. So while it's a relatively small number of the global population, there are actually a number of genes that can increase an individual's propensity to weight gain, high cholesterol, and also a higher risk of heart disease when they're consuming a diet that is high in saturated fats. And one of these gene variants is known as the APOA5 gene. And certain variants of this particular genotype have been associated with higher fasting total cholesterol levels and also higher LDL cholesterol blood levels. And LDL is sometimes known as our sort of our bad cholesterol. Um, and it can also show up with lower HDL cholesterol levels, which is sometimes known as our good cholesterol. And so in individuals with a certain variant of this, the research indicates the benefits of eating a diet that's lower in fat with a reduced intake of omega-6 fatty acids. These types of fats can actually be pro-inflammatory and I'll come on to these a little bit more later. And then similarly, there's another uh, gene that if you have a certain variant of a gene known as the FABP2, again, you may experience higher levels of LDL cholesterol with lower levels of HDL. And in these cases, lowering saturated fat intake and raising omega-3 intake can be really, really helpful. And our levels of HDL cholesterol, which is thought to be more beneficial, also depend on the variant of another gene we have called the APOA2. And a certain variant in this gene has been associated with a reduced ability to produce a protein that affects saturated fat metabolism. And so those people with a certain variant of this gene are at increased risk of weight gain, particularly visceral adipose tissue. So this is the, the fat that tends to accumulate around the torso. This is belly fat. In people with this gene variant, that tends to happen if they're consuming a diet 
that is high in saturated fats. And the issue with getting a lot of visceral fat is it's much more pro-inflammatory. It's around the internal organs. And so there are greater risks for chronic diseases, things like heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. And we know that inflammation has been implicated in a lot of these diseases. So if you're someone that's maybe struggling with weight gain, then I would definitely recommend looking at the way that your body processes fats so that you can get the right proportion of fats in your diet in terms of the percentages of saturated fats with monounsaturated and polyunsaturated, and also the ratios of omega-3 and 6, which I'll come on to in a moment, and also looking at your sensitivity to sugars. Um, so to all types of carbohydrates can help as well and your stress levels and knowing key parts of your DNA can really, really help with this and give you some amazing insights. And there are two other genes that I also want to mention here, which seem to cause some people to gain fat more easily than others. And genetic obesity is actually closely associated with the storage of fatty acids and the two most notorious genes that have been identified that are responsible for storing these fatty acids are the PPAR gene and the FTO gene. So looking first at the PPAR gene, this one can be associated with weight gain again when fat intake is high. And the PPAR gamma gene is responsible for the growth of new fat cells, so actually building fat cells, also the storage of fatty acids and the uptake of fatty acids. And so in some people with a certain variant, we'll see significant increases in, in weight in response to dietary fat intake being high. And so those individuals may be better on a lower fat diet. So if, if you've been going on a ketogenic diet or you're thinking of it or you haven't been seeing the results you want, then it's definitely worth checking your DNA, A, to get results and B, also to be protective of your health and make sure that you're really customizing it to your genetics. And I would always recommend that you also get some blood work done annually to check things like your triglyceride levels, uh, also measuring your total cholesterol and then your ratios. So looking at how much HDL you have, how much non-HDL, how much L LDL you have, and then also your total cholesterol to HDL cholesterol ratio and monitoring those annually can be really helpful. And you can do that with your doctor or with a functional medicine practitioner. Now, the other one I mentioned there is uh, one that you may have heard of called the FTO gene, and that's because it's been dubbed the FATSO gene. So now your genes are not your destiny. So if you have this gene, if you found that out, do not despair. It definitely doesn't mean that you will get fat. I mean, in fact, I actually have two copies of the FATSO gene and I've never been fat. So again, it's what I really want you to take away here is it's all about the expression of your genes. But the FTO gene does code a protein that's associated with fat mass and obesity. And so it's responsible in part for regulating our overall weight and our body fat percentage. And in people with the FTO, a high saturated fat intake has been associated with FTO-induced weight gain. So again, if you're somebody that has one or two copies of the FTO polymorphism, then you're likely to do better on a diet that is lower in saturated fat. So we're looking at things like butter, high-fat dairy products, coconut oil, and also fattier cuts of meat, so beef, lamb, or pork. So those are the kind of key genes that I want to draw to your attention that the um, scientific literature shows are implicated in the storage of fatty acids in your body, whether that's in the form of triglycerides in the blood or adipose tissue or both. 
And as I've already mentioned, there are also some genes that are implicated in the way that your body processes carbohydrates and your risk for metabolic diseases such as diabetes. And you can also find this out through your genetic testing. And if you're at higher risk for things like that, then in the absence of the genes that um, are more sensitive to saturated fats, if you don't have those, then a ketogenic diet may well be a great option for you. So, you know, what should you do if you have one or more of the genetic variants that mean you can't, you can't really thrive on a diet that is higher in fats or saturated fats? And if you have been taking out lots and lots of carbohydrates for some time, then, you know, the answer may scare you a little. But in actual fact, that's when you should be looking at eating a slightly higher carbohydrate diet that's higher in fiber and lower in fat. And certainly this is where we would advise that you keep your saturated fat intake to around 7 to 10% of fats in your diet. And look at consuming more unsaturated fats. So things like avocados and olive oil um, would be better choices. Now, if you'd been in keto for a while, then you might feel better increasing your carbohydrates slowly. And the kind of diet we'd be looking at here is one similar to that followed by the inhabitants of Kitava, which is one of the blue zones. And if you haven't heard of these, the blue zones are populations across the world that have been studied for their longevity. And there's a great book that you might want to read called The Blue Zones by um, Dan Butner. And essentially, these areas across the world that he's investigated have the highest number of centenarians, and they're most mostly free from chronic diseases like heart disease and cancer and diabetes. And in the case of Katavans, they actually eat a diet which is rich in fiber-dense carbohydrates with things like starchy tubers, coconut meat, some fresh fruit. And so they're consuming whole food sources of carbohydrates, not processed forms as you might find in the standard American diet, for example. So you can find out the exact type of diet that's right for you, as I've already said, by testing your genetics and that will give you not just your sensitivity to fats and saturated fats, but also your sensitivity to carbohydrates, along with your omega-3 and 6 pathways and a whole host of other information. Today's episode continues after this short message from one of my sponsors who make the show possible, plus give you some great deals on my favorite things. So I'm doing this new thing when it comes to food prep. Every couple of days, I just don't eat a regular meal. I switch out my regular meal for a loaded keto shake. It takes seconds to whip up, keeps me full until dinner time. So here's what I put in it. A scoop of prime protein, a handful of spinach, a drop of peppermint oil, cashew milk, chia seeds, and boom, keto shake. It's delicious. Now, Prime Protein is made by Equip. It's a doctor-developed line of supplements made 100% from real foods and none of the junk you're going to find in other supplements. What I like about Prime Protein is that it's made with all-natural grass-fed beef isolate protein and therefore doesn't ruin your gut or cause inflammation like whey. Instead, it contains collagen and gelatin that repairs your joints and soft tissues, something that a plant-based protein just won't. Just like whey doesn't taste like cheese, like could you imagine cheese smoothies? Prime protein doesn't taste like a steak, just chocolate through and through. Each bag has 30 servings and each serving is 24 grams of protein. Mix that in with a little fat and you're set. 
When you place your first order with Equip, you're going to receive 20% off. All you got to do is head to equipfoods.com slash KDP. That's E-Q-U-I-P foods.com slash KDP. Load up your cart and use the code KDP for your 20% off. And if you're interested in collagen, they have that too. It's not flavored. It's just plain. And it's a great price, especially with the discount. Again, that's equipfoods.com slash KDP with the coupon code KDP for 20% off your first order. Okay, enjoy. And this brings me on actually to my next point, which I want to touch upon, which is the omega-3 and 6 pathways, as these are really, really important for controlling inflammation in the body and keeping it lower. And we know, as I've already mentioned, that inflammation is one of the things that's implicated in many of the chronic diseases we're seeing. So let's dive in here a little bit into what omega-3 and omega-6 fats are. So the human body is capable of producing all the fatty acids it needs except for two. And that's linoleic acid, or LA, which is an omega-6 fatty acid, and alpha-linolenic acid, or ALA, which is an omega-3 fatty acid. And both of these fatty acids are needed for growth and repair, but can also be used to make other fatty acids. And your genetics can tell you a few things about the way that your body processes both omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. So let's look at omega-3s first. Alpha-linolenic acid is a short-chain omega-3 and it's primarily found in plant-based foods such as flaxseeds, walnuts and some other nuts and seeds. And as I already mentioned, it's an essential fatty acid because it cannot be produced in the body and so it has to be obtained through food. And many people, including those in particular who are following a vegetarian or a vegan diet, prefer to consume plant sources of alpha-linolenic acid from things like I've mentioned, like flax seeds and walnuts. But the thing to be aware of here is that the human body is not always able to effectively convert alpha-linolenic acid into the compounds which we need, which are EPA and DHA. DHA and EPA are the critical fatty acids that can really help to enhance your performance and your brain health, and they can also help in stabilizing ketosis. Now, animal sources are actually the most bioavailable forms of DHA and EPA, and the scientific literature suggests that only between 2% to 10% of alpha-linolenic acid that's consumed is actually converted into DHA and EPA. When you're consuming DHA and EPA from animal sources, obviously this has the advantage that the animal has done this conversion for you. And how well you convert and how much omega-3 versus omega-6 you need comes down in part to your genes known as the FADS genes, they're F-A-D-S. And the FADS1 gene relates to your omega-3 pathway. The other gene that we need to look at would be the FADS2 gene, and that encodes for activity in relation to omega-6 fats. Now, in some individuals, what we'll see is that there's an increased enzyme activity, and that's been correlated with inflammatory states, and so a decreased need for omega-6. And this is because that enzyme activity can impact the downstream production of certain omega-6 fats, which can lead to a heightened inflammatory state. And as I've already mentioned, we want to keep inflammation low to optimize health. So in those individuals, we'd look at reducing omega-6 dietary sources and increasing omega-3s. 
And so here it would be particularly important to avoid things like processed vegetable oils and other processed omega-6 fats as these are likely to heighten that inflammatory state further. Now the process of converting omega-6s into inflammatory compounds that can happen in the body is called elongation. And if you're someone that has upregulated elongation, then a significant amount of that linoleic omega-6 fat that you're consuming, even from unprocessed food sources that are common, so things like cheese and nuts, actually get converted into a substance known as arachidonic acid. And arachidonic acid is a precursor to inflammatory compounds. So you can actually test for this. You can have a look at what are your genetics. So from a genetic perspective, what do your pathways look like so that we can look at your risk profile? And then you can have a look at what's happening in real time by measuring your omega-3-6 ratio from a blood serum test. You can also do something known as the Nutrival test by Genova Diagnostics, which dives into this a bit deeper. And if you fall into this category where you're either at higher risk or you're seeing um, omega-3-6 ratios that are higher, then to avoid higher levels of inflammation and bring it down, then what you'd want to do is to reduce the main sources of foods that are high in these linoleic um, acids. So these are foods like nut butters, eggs, and poultry. But if you're, and if you are actually consuming quite a large number of those foods, I would also recommend that you increase your omega-3 fatty intake to offset this. And as I've mentioned, the most bioavailable sources, unless you're vegan or vegetarian, would be from animal sources. Now, I would recommend trying to get as much of this as you can from smaller fish or from a fish oil supplement. The smaller fish are high in omega-3 and they're lower in toxins like mercury, which travels up and tends to collect in the food chain. So an easy way to think of the smaller omega-rich fish, omega-3 rich fish you want to get is to use the acronym SMASH which stands for sardines, mackerel, anchovies, salmon, and herrings. And if you look for those smash fish, then you're going to be getting some more omega-3s from healthy sources. And so as I've already mentioned, this is where doing some blood work can be important so that you can actually have a look at what's going on. So we tend to look at our genetics to identify our predispositions and our risk factors, and then you can do blood work to see what your ratios are. And ideally, you want to be aiming for an omega-6 to 3 ratio of no higher than 4 to 1. In a standard American diet, this can actually be as high as a staggering 30 to 1. So it's definitely something worth looking at, both from a genetic perspective and then checking your blood work, which I would suggest you do annually, particularly in people that have these FADS gene variants where conversion of ALA is limited and the omega-6s is upregulated then I'd, aim, I'd say that in your diet, if you can aim to get a ratio of one to one in terms of omega-3 to six, or at the very highest one to three. The literature seems to indicate that the ability to convert omega-3s into EPA and DHA, it may in part be due to ancestry, with ALA conversion being better in populations um, amongst African populations, for example, Sri Lankan, Indian whereas it seems less common in Europe and Native Americans. Although there does seem to be a variation depending on what which part of Europe you originate from, but certainly in individuals from the Northern Hemisphere, those populations are often less able to convert ALA into DHA and EPA. And this seems to be down to where the ancestral populations have, have lived over time. So in the far northern European, Native American, Iberian, or even the indigenous Arctic populations, 
they would likely have consumed DHA and EPA directly through animal and fish sources. So again, it's worth finding out through a DNA test what type of variant you have, because then you can really target your omega-3 intake, and in particular your DHA and EPA intake, to keep inflammation low and to optimize your health. And the great thing about doing a DNA test is it's something you only need to do once because your underlying genetics don't change. Now, your DNA can also give you other important information to dive deeper into areas of your body that may need support. So one of the key areas that we look at in this regard is your detoxification pathways, primarily looking at both phase one and phase two detoxification. In relation to phase one detoxification, what we're looking at here is the cooking of certain meat products at high temperatures. Now, when you cook meat at high temperatures, it accelerates the formation of chemicals that are not actually naturally present in uncooked meat. You may have heard of these. These are known as um, heterocyclic amines and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. And these are regarded as toxic compounds because they can actually damage the DNA and the protein in the cells and lead to some pretty serious health problems in the long run. So meat and fish that's cooked at very high temperatures or for a very long time create the highest levels of these chemicals. And so what we'd be looking at here really is avoiding char-grilled meat or smoked meat or fish in high quantities, particularly if your phase one detoxification operates at a faster speed. Because what can happen here is it can lead to these chemicals being metabolized more quickly and possibly overwhelming your body's detox pathways. If you've already done some DNA results, then what you're looking at here is your results for the CYP1A2 and the EPHX1 genes. The CYP1A2 is also the one that relates to the processing of caffeine, where you can establish whether you're a slow, fast, or intermediate metabolizer. And if you do have a faster processing speed, then what I would advise is that you limit your intake of char-grilled or smoked meat or fish or things like um, blackened chicken and barbecued meats to no more than once, maximum twice per week. And this is actually where including some cruciferous vegetables alongside your, your meal can actually enhance the detoxification process. And this is because these types of vegetables, things like broccoli, cauliflower, kale, bok choy, contain some really beneficial anti-cancer compounds. So it's definitely an area to be aware of, particularly if you're someone that is maybe on the keto diet or even a carnivore diet and you're consuming quite a lot of meat in your, in your diet. And then we look at phase two detoxification. And what we're looking at here is the, what's known as the GSD enzymes, which relate to the production of glutathione. And in particular, there are two genes that have been well studied. And these are GSTM1 and GSTT1. And these are either going to be present or deleted. And again, your DNA test will indicate if one or more of these are deleted. Now, if you have a deletion, then you're likely to be at a higher risk of oxidative stress inflammation and carcinogenesis so you could be someone who may have more difficulty processing the compounds that can be produced for example from meat at high temperatures and it can also affect your processing of excess hormones so things like estrogen and that's why it's really really important as well to make sure that your liver function is optimal and that you're keeping inflammation low now these gst enzymes are induced by certain compounds that you can get from your diet so if you've got a deletion of one of these for example then that's where as i've mentioned then you would want to be increasing your consumption of cruciferous vegetables so those are broccoli cauliflower kale 
bok choy, those types of vegetables contain something called glucosinolates, which can be really, really helpful in activating the GST enzymes. Also including um, curcumin from turmeric is good, but bear in mind that turmeric in itself is actually not that bioavailable unless it's combined with something like black pepper or some fats to enhance its absorption. And so taking a good quality curcumin supplement that has that sort of combination can be really helpful. And then the other food I would suggest increasing that can help with these detoxification pathways, unless you have sensitivities, these would be the allium family of vegetables. So these are things like onions, leeks and scallions. Now, that's quite a lot of detail, but I also want to give you some other really, really helpful things that your DNA can tell you to help optimize your health. And you can gain quite a big understanding of your vitamin needs by testing your DNA, in particular things like vitamin D, B vitamins, and also your antioxidant needs. So looking first at vitamin D, then what we see here is that in some individuals, their vitamin D receptor gene functions less well. And so even um, when those individuals are exposed to sunlight, which is our main way of synthesizing vitamin D, they tend not to do that so well. And what we know is that many people are not getting enough vitamin D, especially during the winter months. And according to the British Medical Journal, vitamin D deficiency is the most underdiagnosed medical condition in both children and adults. And this is basically because patients don't typically present with clinical signs until the deficiency is pretty severe and prolonged. And that would be when we would start to see things like rickets developing in children and in adults, they might start to experience bone pain and muscle weakness. But this is when things have really progressed quite a long way. So there are lots of people that have a vitamin D deficiency that's gone undiagnosed. And it's a really important point because in addition to the skeletal effects, What's now been recognized is that vitamin D deficiency increases the risk of many chronic diseases, including cancer, autoimmune diseases, which are really on the rise, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, dementia, osteoarthritis, as well as even things like depression. So how can you ensure that you're getting enough vitamin D? Well, vitamin D is formed when sunlight converts a cholesterol molecule, which is known as 7-dehydrocholesterol, into an active form of vitamin D. And the best way to think about vitamin D is it travels through your blood and tissues, kind of like a Wi-Fi signal, and it enters your cells. And once inside, it binds to a receptor molecule called the vitamin D receptor gene, which allows the vitamin D to enter into the cell nucleus, which is where your DNA is housed, and switch on over 900 genes. The activity of these genes affect a wide range of processes, including bone formation and metabolism, lowering of inflammation, and also the suppressing of tumor formation. And some are also responsible for creating and maintaining brain synapses. So vitamin D is super important for your neurological health too. And essentially, when vitamin D is too low, the right genes are not activated. So how can you work out whether or not you should be supplementing with vitamin D? Firstly, I would suggest that you get your serum vitamin D checked at least annually and definitely um, doing that if you live in the northern hemisphere. Vitamin D serum tests usually check the inactive form and you want your levels of 25 hydroxychloroquine to be between 50 to 80 nanograms per milliliter. Now, once you have your serum levels, you can actually work out how much vitamin D you need to take as a supplement 
if you need to supplement at all. And you can do this using what's known as the 100x rule. And what you do is you subtract your serum vitamin D level from your goal. So for example, if your goal was 80 and you multiply the difference by 100 and that will give you the dose that you need in international units. I would recommend that you work with a doctor or functional medicine practitioner to do this rather than doing it for yourself. And um, ideally, you look for a vitamin D3 supplement that contains K2. And this is because K2 helps to ensure that the calcium is absorbed easily and reaches the bone mass and can help prevent arterial calcification. So this really helps to keep your heart and your bones healthy. And also separately, K2 has the benefit of regulating normal blood clotting. Now, you probably don't need to take it in summer if you're spending enough time outdoors or if you go on holiday somewhere hot. Unfortunately, you can't overdose on vitamin D from the sun as your body will simply stop making it. Now, another area that your DNA test can really help is giving you your B vitamin needs and how well your body um, may be functioning in terms of a process known as methylation. And there are a few genes here, but I'm thinking specifically of the MTHFR gene in particular, because we know that that can be impaired by up to 70% in some individuals. And in those individuals, it's super, super important to make sure that you're getting enough vitamins B6, B12, and B9 in your diet, along with some other cofactors. And ideally, you want to get these from your food. But if you're, you have got some gut problems that you're looking to rectify or your blood serum is showing low levels, then you might want to take a really good quality B complex. What I would say is that when you're supplementing with folic acid, you want to ensure that you're actually having folate, which is the natural form, rather than fol folic acid, which is the uh, synthetic form. And I actually like to use supplement companies that use powdered whole food versions, as I think these can be much more bioavailable. Now, if you're somebody who looks like you have an impaired MTHFR gene, then I definitely recommend that you follow up with a homocysteine blood test. Again, you can get this through your doctor or through a functional medicine practitioner because high levels of homocysteine is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, and it's a good indicator of how well the body is methylating. So if your homocysteine seems high, then you can take steps working with a nutritional therapist or a functional medicine practitioner to lower your homocysteine levels and also perhaps looking at the wider methylation cycle in terms of functional testing can be a really good idea as well. I hope you're really enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. Snap a pic and tag me at Healthful Pursuit or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. And then the other point I'd like to come on to regarding your DNA and using it for health optimization is that it can also give you antioxidant needs. So the human body creates much of the antioxidants that it needs itself in the form of things like superoxide dismutase and glutathione. But if you have a raised antioxidant need, then it can be really important to try and upregulate those systems and get as many antioxidants as you can from dietary sources, including from compounds that support your antioxidant production, things like resveratrol, and including plenty of herbs and spices and turmeric in your diet, and also foods that are dark in color. So things like berries, for example, and dark chocolate and cacao nibs can really, really help in this regard. Now, the other area in terms of nutritional support is you may have heard people talk about DNA testing for food intolerances, 
This isn't really the best way to discover food intolerances, although there are a couple of areas that it can provide some useful insight. Um, So for example, what we do know is that only certain people are able to produce the enzyme lactase after the age of three years old. And lactase is what you need to digest lactose, which is the sugar that's contained in milk and some dairy products. And the literature indicates that a large percentage of the world's population are actually not able to digest lactose after around the age of three. Why three years old? This is because most babies can digest it as lactose is actually contained in breast milk. But after that, we tend to fall into one of two camps of either having lactase persistence or not. And so this can be really useful in finding out whether you're lactose intolerant. So if you're somebody that's been having a lot of bloating or gas, it could actually be that you're lactose intolerant. You can also discover some information around your gluten sensitivity. So you can find out whether you're at a higher risk for gluten intolerance and celiac disease. Your DNA is not going to tell you whether you do or don't have celiac. But again, this can actually point you into the risk factors. And then you can take action, whether that's through an elimination diet or even, again, doing some functional tests to establish whether you either have celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And that's a really, really important thing to know. Now, there's more um, information coming out about DNA testing and how we can use it all of the time. Certain, certain testing companies can test your risk factors for types of cancer and your responses to certain drugs and the way that we process those drugs. And there's also some pretty interesting information around fitness genes, which I just want to briefly touch on here, because for those of you who are interested in fitness, this can really, really help to enhance your results. So we've all seen people who just seem like super fit and they can do it in the minimal effective dose. And then on the other hand, I'm sure you've encountered that gym goer who maybe goes pretty much every day or in some cases, multiple times a day and just is not seeing the results. And There's some research that was done by a company called DNA Fit that shows that when you're following a genetically matched fitness program, the results can have three times the efficacy of the results in people who are following a program that is genetically mismatched. So that's pretty powerful. And what we're talking about here is finding out things like your power, strength and endurance profile. And this is an area I use a lot with um, with some of my more athletic clients in particular, but even people who are looking at body composition goals, because it means that we can really customize their training to their genetics and it takes out all of the guesswork. So if you take my own genetics as an example here, then I know that I have a lower strength predisposition with much higher power and endurance predispositions. And this is really, really interesting because you can take that information and actually structure your training programs based around your genetics and then couple that with whatever your goal is. So for example, if you're somebody that's say looking at running a five or a 10K, you can use your genetic data to properly structure your sessions in terms of how much endurance-based work you're going to do and how much more power-based training, say in the form of sprint training, to actually enhance your results. And as I've already said, doing a genetically matched program can yield up to three times the results. And you can also look at what your VO2 max potential is as well, which is the rate at which the oxygen is delivered to your muscles and then optimize your training to really get the most out of those results. And one of the important areas, actually, interestingly, 
is that you can find out what your lactic acid production is. So for example, with again, with my own genetics, I'm somebody that has an average production of lactic acid, but I have a better than average clearance. So if I was looking, for example, at training for an endurance event, then I would be somebody who could get away with focusing a bit less on lactic acid threshold training. And obviously, this is really good news because lactic acid threshold training is, you know, one of the hardest types of training. But because my clearance is pretty good, it's something that I might do, say, once every two weeks. Whereas in an individual who generates higher levels of lactic acid or genetically clears it less efficiently, efficiently, sorry, then focusing on that type of training can really, really help in avoiding things like rubbery leg syndrome and making sure that you get the most out of the event in terms of pacing yourself and getting that all-important sprint finish. And actually, that brings me on to another um, exciting and fun gene that you can find out if you have, and that's called the ACTN3 gene. This is actually dubbed the sprint gene, and that's because it's the gene that's been identified in most of the Olympic sprinters, certainly in the medal holders. And if you do discover that you have one or two copies of the sprint gene, then utilizing things like hit sessions and sprint training can really, really give you an advantage, both in terms of improving your cardiovascular capability and improving your results. You can also find out from your genetics, your injury risk. And this is really important as well, because nobody likes time out for injury. It can be really, really frustrating. And it, it, you know, affects your goals, you've got time getting back on track. But if you find out that you have a higher injury risk, then you can take steps to strengthen the connective tissue so that you can um, modulate that risk. And things like eccentric training can be great in this regard. So deadlifts can really help to increase the connective tissue and support around the knee and ankle joints, for example. And you can also put in place some nutritional support. So things like bone broth. I mean, I love all my clients to be ensuring that they're getting plenty of bone broth in their diets. It's important not just for connective tissue, but also for gut health. And if you find that you're somebody who has an, a higher than average risk, then making sure that you're including plenty of foods like that with enough bone broth, gelatin and glycine, really important along the, uh, alongside things like vitamin C, which enhances the production of collagen and gives you those building blocks can be important. Now, the final area that I want to touch on here is your circadian rhythm. And we know that your circadian rhythm and your chronotype is largely genetic. So I've had clients, you may be somebody as well, who's absolutely convinced that you're a night owl and you find out that you do a DNA test and it comes back actually you're much of a morning, much more of a morning person. And I've had some great results here because what I've found is that actually aligning with your circadian rhythm and mixing up your routine and structuring it differently can really help to start improving energy, cognition and mental clarity and functioning. Because once you align yourself with your circadian rhythm, it's just a much more natural process for you. So that can be a really interesting thing to find out by testing your genetics. And you can also find out the way that you respond to stress. There's some work that's been done in relation to a gene known as the COMP gene and quite a bit of research into um, work with the military to help the recruits avoid things like post-traumatic stress disorder. And what we understand from this is that some people are more predisposed to stress. They process it in a different way. And if that turned out how you were, then prioritizing, you know, stress relieving practices like mindfulness and meditation can make a really big difference to your overall mental well-being and your performance. 
Well, that was a lot of information. I hope that you found it helpful. What I really want you to take away from this episode is that there is so much you can do to take control of your health and utilize the power of knowing your genetic information to really get the best results, to improve your performance and to bulletproof your health. And if you'd like to know more about this and more information about genetic testing and how to biohack your way to health optimization, then I have a free mini course that you can access. I've set up a special link for Leanne's listeners. So if you go to bit.ly forward slash DNA optimization, that's bit.ly forward slash DNA optimization, you can learn about how to build the exact pillars that I use with my clients for health optimization, including how to enhance the expression of your genetics for faster, more efficacious results and remove the the guesswork. You can also find out more about me and my blog on my website, which is www.angelafosterperformance.com. And I'm really active across social media. So you can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Angela S. Foster. I'm so grateful to Leanne for inviting me on the show today. And I hope that you have found this helpful and have taken some some positive takeaways that can help you optimize your health and live an extraordinary life. Thank you so much for being here and listening to me today. Such a great episode, right? And so easy to soak up, wasn't it? Okay, next up on the show, Sunday, May 10th, that's my birthday, episode 247. We are repeating an episode that I did with a amazing human being chatting about keto cleansing. So if you haven't already heard this one or you completely forget what was in this episode, I can't wait to share it with you. Okay, I'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, nutrition, and diet and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor should it be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 